Well, good morning, church. Man, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just think it's important to pause for a moment and go, you know what, if, if, you're, if you just kind of feel like, you know, it is incredible to be here this morning and to be not just here with other people that it's amazing, but to come to a place where I can be in the presence of a living God and sing songs like that, knowing that no matter where I find myself, that I'm not alone, that everything I find value in, everything that gives me purpose is found in Christ and Christ alone. If you feel that this morning and you're glad you're here to get to be reminded of that, would you just shout amen this morning? Amen. I tell you, it's something I hope we never get over in what we have in Christ and Christ alone. So today we're going to continue in our series called Fight Club. And as we began this series, while it was directed and is directed specifically at married couples, we said from the very beginning that the things and the principles we're going to learn are true for everybody. No matter where you find yourself in life, no matter where you find yourself, whether you're married or single, these truths and principles cross those lines because biblical truth is simply that. It is biblical truth. Truth. It can apply to a lot of relationship in life. So we began by saying this as far as married was that whether you're married right now or maybe have a dream of one day being married, that you're going to make a decision. And here's the decision you're going to make. Either I'm going to fight in my marriage or I'm going to fight what? For my marriage. Now, fighting in it, we've discovered, is very easy to do, right? Just point out your spouse's imperfections. That's a guaranteed fight in your marriage, right? If you want to talk bad about their cooking, a guaranteed fight in their marriage. If you want to talk about how he's overweight and needs to work out again, an easy way to fight in your marriage, right? We can all find ways to easily fight our marriage, but my prayer's been that we will choose to fight for our marriage. And listen to me, folks. If we're going to fight for our marriage... It's about laying down my rights and picking up my responsibilities. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the responsibilities of a husband. And husbands, I hope you remember that. If you weren't here, you want to go back and listen to it. Because ultimately, what we were challenged with as husbands was that we are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. That is a huge challenge that we're given by Paul. To love our wives, Christ love the church, that means no matter what they do, no matter what it takes, no matter how you feel, we're called to love our wives. And then last week, wives, we talked about what is the wives' responsibility in the marriage. And we said to, to really pick up your responsibilities requires you to focus on three things. The first one is we talked about biblical submission. Not what the world says, but what the Bible says about submission that you need to focus on that also focus on purity. Not just moral purity, but purity in your relationships. Are you, a, are you a manipulator? Do you lie to your husband? Are your motives pure in the relationship? And then we said also your beauty. And I hope every woman in the room was listening last week when I said your beauty has nothing to do with your outward adornment. Your beauty comes from what Christ has done inside of you. That's where your beauty lies. And everybody should say amen to that one. Amen. I hope you get that. Now today, I want something different. I want to pivot a little bit today. I want to talk about something that I've maybe never heard a message in church preached on unless I was the one doing it, and I want to talk about singleness today. Because the, thing, the reason I want to talk about singleness today is because I feel like when you think about singles, that sometimes that has a negative overtone to it. And let's just think about some of the music, and you could probably come up with better songs than I did, but I remember there's, there's one song that just jumped out of my mind that I remember was probably written in, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, and I don't even remember who wrote it, but it was a song that went something like this. I will just say the lyrics, definitely not sing them. It says, all by myself, I don't want to be what? All by myself, 
anymore, right? It's like this song, like, there's such pain in that song of like, I'm all by myself, and I've been all by myself, and I don't want to be by myself anymore. And then just for my, for my uh, because David knows I don't care for country music, there's a country song out there that literally has the lyrics that says, everybody has somebody but me. Everybody, I mean, that's sad, isn't it? I mean, if somebody told you that, like everybody's got somebody love them, but me, that's, that's sad. And so when we think of singles sometimes, there's, there's all these songs and all these lyrics that are about the sadness and the pain of being single. And quite frankly, I feel like that singles, like many groups, but singles in particular, are one of the most marginalized groups, not only in the world, but in the church. Here's what I mean. I think sometimes, whether we say it out loud but in our behavior, we treat singles like if you're not married, then you can't be complete and you don't have the ultimate value that you should have. I think sometimes we lead singles into this notion that if you're not married, maybe the world sends this more than the church, but if you're not married, somewhere you failed. Or if you're not married, here's the big one. If you're not married, that means what? Something's wrong with you. Can I just say this? If you're single in the room, you may be single, not married yet, which is a bunch of you. You may desire to be single the rest of your life. Let me say this to you. Your value and your worth doesn't come from a husband. It doesn't come from a wife. Your value comes from your relationship with Christ and Christ alone. Period. End of sentence. That's where your value comes. And so as a church, we're not going to be the church that makes you feel like, hey, you know what? If you're not married, you have no value. If you're not married, you failed. Are there something wrong with you? No, no, no. You're just as much part of the kingdom. In fact, the Apostle Paul, as we will see today, basically says this, that singleness is on par with married as far as the value in the eyes of God. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is where we're going to be this morning. And what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to talk about the beauty of of singleness. The beauty of singleness. Now, when you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, later, here's your homework, all right? Later, I hope you read the whole chapter. We're going to read large sections of the chapter, but later, I hope you read the whole chapter to get a little bit more context. But there are three passages that use this, the words that imply singles. Like, we, get, we won't get there, but in verse 8, he uses the word uh, widow. We know what widows are, right? Those wives that were married, their husbands passed away, and they're widowed. He also uses the phrase unmarried. In verse 8 also, that word unmarried can mean a couple of things. First of all, it means those that were married that are no longer married, which mean, would put in the category of those that have been through or gone through a divorce. They would be in that category. Many scholars would also tell you, because Paul doesn't mention widowers, that they would fit into this category. They've been married and are no longer married because their wives have died. So widowers would fit in this too. And then in chapter 7, verse 25, Paul uses a phrase of betrothed. Another, some translations you read would say virgins, and it's talking about those who have never been married. So in this chapter, Paul's addressing all these different groups. He's addressing those that are widows. He's addressing those that are unmarried, those that were widowers or those that were divorced. He's addressing those that, that have never been married, that are virgins or betrothed. And he's going to say some things about singleness that we all need to hear. And here's why. Many of you in this room are married, but many of you are not. And everyone who is married we know somebody that's single. We know somebody that possibly has selected a lifestyle. They're just going to be single the rest of their life, or they're single at the stage they're in. And so we need to understand some biblical truths and biblical principles, and we need to see the beauty of singleness so that we can speak words of encouragement into their lives. Because listen, I've talked to a lot of singles over the years, and if you're married, we don't get this. Do you think they ever feel alone? Truly, sure they do. 
Do you ever think they feel sometimes unloved? Do you think the world has ever sold them the pitch that the reason you're kind of alone is because you are a damaged goods or you are something's wrong with you? Sure. And so we need to understand this so that we can be the mouthpiece to those that we know that are single to encourage them. And so in chapter 7, I just want to begin reading in verse 6 and 7. You can stay seated this morning because we have so much to read. Chapter 7, verse 6 and 7. And there's four things I want you to see about the beauty of singleness. And here's the first one. Verse 6. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I am myself. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Let me read it again. I want you to understand context. Now as a concession. Does a concession mean a command? No, not a command, a concession. In other words, here's what I prefer for you, but it's not a command. And here it is. I wish that all of you were like I am, Paul says, which would be single. But each one of you has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Now, we didn't read the first five verses, but I want to tell you about the first five verses because they set up verse 6 and 7. And verse chapter one, chapter 1 to verse 7, Paul says something like this. He says, it would be my desire that men would abstain from sexual relations with a woman. In other words, I would love you to choose a lifestyle of celibacy. That's what I want. I would like you to choose a lifestyle singleness. But Paul recognizes that if you choose that lifestyle, there's a lot of temptation in it, right? Because the way God has made us and wired us, there's a lot of temptation. So Paul says, you need to know if you choose that lifestyle, there's going to be some temptation. And rather than you give in to sexual morality, I'd rather you get married. I'd rather you have a wife. I'd rather you have a husband. But if you are married, listen to this, some of you are like this, if you are married, celibacy is not a choice. You don't get to be celibate in your marriage because your body does not belong to you, it belongs to your spouse. So Paul sets this whole conversation up with this idea. My preference would be this, that you all stay single, that every one of you would abstain, that you would live a life of singleness. But that's a lot of temptation coming your way. And if you can't have that temptation, I would rather be married than to fall into sexual morality. But by the way, if you are married, you can't wave the banner going, I'm going to spend the rest of my life celibate. No, 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 because part of intimacy in a marriage is the physical side of it as well. And then he adds the exclamation point, verse 6 and 7. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all of you were as I am myself. But each one has his own gift from God, one of one kind, one of another. Now, here's the thing I want you to know first and foremost, that what Paul is saying is that singleness is a blessing from God. That singleness is a blessing from God. And he says here right after in verse 6, he says that, hey, I wish that you guys were like me. How was Paul? Was Paul what? What was he? He was single, right? At this time, at least at this time, there's debate whether Paul was single or married, but at this time, we know that he was single. At worst case scenario, he was a widower, but we know that Paul was single. He's like, I wish that you would be like me and be single. Now, why in the world would Paul say that? Is Paul disparaging marriage? Is Paul throwing shade at marriage as if marriage is this terrible chain that you've got to carry around with you all the days of your life? Is that what Paul's doing? No. So why in the world would he say, I would love for all of you to commit to remaining single? Why would he say that? Because Paul understood something. He understood that there was a freedom and independence that you could have in singleness to serve the Lord like you cannot have if you're married. There's a freedom and there's an independence to serve the Lord in any way imaginable that's different than when you're married. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So Paul says, I wish all you guys were single as I am. But he says this, but... Each one has his own gift from God. 
to some one gift, to others another gift. In other words, here's Paul's point. Marriage is a path that many have chosen. And marriage is a meaningful relationship. Marriage also is a gift from God. It's why he says here that some have one gift, others have another gift. In other words, those of us that have chosen marriage, hopefully you feel like your marriage is a blessing from God. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> we all know that didn't go well, right? Right? Now, here's why I probably didn't go well, because I've had many conversations with married couples since we started this series, and like, you know what, Doug, we are fighting more now. In fact, someone told me, said, my, 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 my spouse threw a remote at me the other day. I mean, it was, it was a tongue-in-cheek kind of funny, but I'm like, maybe that's why I didn't say it. So I'm going to say again, if you're married this morning, and you know that marriage is a blessing from God, let me hear you say amen. amen. There we go. Somebody got pinched. I know it, right? And you're like, I'm going to get this out. It is. And listen, now, here's why it's a blessing from God. Obviously, it's a blessing because there's, there's needs that are met there physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But ultimately, marriage, isn't it a beautiful picture of our relationship that we have with Christ? Right? The church is called the bride of Christ. And in marriage, you see so many beautiful similarities. And I hope you recognize that if you're married today, that marriage is a blessing from God. So Paul says that marriage is meaningful too. He's not, now we know that marriage brings, has, principle, or that has certain privileges with it, but marriage also has different responsibilities with it responsibilities that, quite frankly, as a single person, you don't have. Now, he's not trying to, you know, disparage marriage. He's just saying marriage, just like singleness, is a blessing from God. And also, he means this, is that being single is also a gift from God. He says it is good for those that can go down this path of celibacy, those that can go down this path of singleness. It is a good thing to do. Now, just because someone chooses this lifestyle doesn't mean they're damaged goods. Because someone chooses lifestyle doesn't mean that something's wrong with them. Because someone chooses lifestyle doesn't mean they can't find value and purpose in their life. He says, listen, just as marriage is a blessing from God, so is singleness. It's a blessing from God. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in churches all my life, and I don't know that we view it that way. I don't know, it's like when I was in student ministry. I was in student ministry 20 years, and as I was getting older in student ministry, like when I would hit like 35, 36, I would get this question. So when are you going to step up and be a pastor? As if student ministry was a stepping stone to being pastoring. And I'm like, I love teenagers. I, to this day, still love teenagers, and I don't have any desire to pastor until God calls me out of it. Well, quite frankly, two years later, God called me to it. But the bottom line is, I didn't view student ministry as a stepping stone. Singleness is not a stepping stone to getting married. It's not. Singleness, too, is a gift from God. Now, here's the thing about it. The truth is this. Paul's trying to make this point. Singleness is as valid as marriage, which means this. Singleness should be celebrated just as much as marriage. There is no shame in being single. It, too, is a gift from God. And the reality is this. Hear me on this, that whether you're married or single doesn't make you more devout to God. There's a real mindset, among, maybe among some people, that if you're married, that somehow you can be more devout to God because you, your, your marriage relationship reflects your relationship with your Heavenly Father, and so sometimes you can be more devout. And then there's denominations out there that go, no, 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 singleness means you're more devout, right? Like even the Catholic Church, that's why priests and nuns don't get married, is because if you're not married, you can be more devout to God. Listen, your devotion to the Lord does not depend at all upon whether you're married or single. You can be devoted to the Lord because you are devoted to the Lord regardless of your marital status. And I just want you to know this before I move on. Singleness is a blessing from God, just like marriage. 
and we need to change the way we think. So when you come across someone that's single, or you come across someone that goes, you know, you know, I'm choosing a life of singleness, your first thought can't be, well, I wonder what's wrong with them. Your first thought should be, that is a blessing of God. And listen, quite frankly, they're able to fight temptation in a way that apparently I could not as a married person. And that's a gift. I hope you get that this morning. First thing, singleness is a blessing from God. The second thing I want you to notice is found in verse 25 through 28. Flip over to verse 25. Paul addresses many groups after that. He talks to the married. He talks to everybody else. And then in verse 25, he says this. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if the betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I say this so that I could spare you that. Now, here's the second thing Paul says. Not only is singleness a blessing from God, but singleness has fewer burdens to carry. That the single life has fewer burdens to carry. And he uses two phrases here that we're going to lean on. The first phrase is he says, in present distress. In other words, while we're in this moment of present distress, present distress is a Greek phrase that means while you're in a season of persecution. You know, if you, here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you are living a life for the Lord, will you face persecution? Yes. Yes is the answer. If you're living for the Lord, like, oh, Doc, you know what? I've been a Christian for 30 years, and I, I, thought, I don't know that I've faced one day of persecution. Well, then I would suggest to you that maybe you ought to ask the people around you, is my life reflecting that of Christ? Now, we don't face persecution like Stephen. We're probably not going to go out here, and you're not going to probably go to Outback, and you're going to order your lunch, and are you a Christian? Yeah, okay, let's bring out all the leftover meat, and let's stone this person to death. I mean, that's probably not going to happen to you. But we face persecution. We go through turmoil. We, we face those moments. And listen, that he's saying here, there's a present distress, and that's persecution. Every believer is going to go through it. Every believer is going to go through persecution. But you add a wife to that, you add a husband to that, and you add kids to that, that's a lot, isn't it? See, when you're married, guess what? You have other people to consider. Now, you may live a selfless, a selfish marriage, but when you're married, you have other people to consider. So when persecution comes and your family goes through persecution, that is not only sorrow, but that's a deeper level of sorrow, right? That's not only a sacrifice, that's a deeper level of sacrifice. That's not only a burden, that's a deeper level of burden because it's not just you going through it, it's my whole family going through it. So his present distress. The other phrase he uses is troubles in life. Now that phrase troubles in life just means this in the Greek. It means pressed under pressure. That's what it means. Troubles in life just means I'm pressed under pressure. Now follow my thinking here. You've got pressed under pressure if you're married with people that have been pressed together. Think about that. When you got married, here's what you figured out about 60 days in. Because you know I'm right. We have two different personalities, right? We have two sets of ways of doing things. Fill the paper this way or that way, right? We've got two different sets of interests. We've got two histories. So when you're married, not only are you pressed under pressure, but you are pressed together, right? 
And so he says here, I would rather you stay single. Why? Because when you're going through troubles of life, man, it gets difficult. You've got two different people that are totally different. And the reality is when you're living single, there's a lot of pressures in the world. There's a lot of things you've got to deal with. But when you're married, those pressures just get magnified. Listen to me. We all need to know this, especially if you're single. You need to know this, that if you, when someone is married, there comes a level of conflict, a level of hardships, demands and sacrifices that don't come to someone who's not married. Now, Doug, what's my point? Here it is. Singleness has fewer burdens to carry. Are you still going to face persecution? Yes. Are you still going to be pressed under pressure? Absolutely. But you're not doing it with a family in the wings that's going through the same persecution and the same pressure you all. So Paul's saying, listen, I'd rather you stay as you are because there's going to be some junk come your way. And when it comes... It's going to be tough, and it's easier to navigate it when you are single. So the second thing I want you to know is that singleness has fewer burdens to carry. And the third thing I want you to notice is this, is that being single is easier to avoid distractions. It's easier to avoid distractions. Now, just hear me real quick. Before we read the passage, listen to this. Paul's not disparaging marriage. If I had to do it all over again, I would have gotten married again, all over again. I mean, for all the reasons that I got married the first time. So if you're married today, there's nothing disparaging about being married. But I want the people that are single and people that might choose a life of single to go, you are not damaged goods, you're not marginalized, you're not not cared for, that you have a gift and a purpose just like everybody else does. And I want you, if you choose that, that, there, that that is also a blessing from God. And that if you choose this path, that ultimately there's fewer burdens for you to carry. But the third point is that it's easier to avoid distractions. Look with me in verse 29. It says this. Verse 29. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wife, wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is what? Passing away. Here's Paul's point. Time is short. Live urgently. So if you're married, yeah, enjoy marriage, but don't forget the mission. If you're grieving, yeah, grieve, but God is in control. Don't forget the mission. If you're rejoicing, yeah, celebrate, but don't forget the mission. If you're trying to buy things and sell things, yeah, be a good steward, but don't forget the mission. Why? Because time is short. The present world we're living in is passing away, and we can't afford distractions. That's what Paul's saying. And when you're married, is it easy to get distracted? Come on, married people. Is it easy to get distracted? It is easy to get focused on the urgent and miss out on the important. And the important is the mission to share the good news of Jesus everywhere we go. And then Paul tells us specifically why it's easier for a single person to, to maintain this. Look at me in verse 32. He says this, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, but how holy in the body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things and how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Here's what Paul says. When you are married, and rightly so, Husbands 
are concerned with how do I please my wife. Wives are rightly concerned, how do I please my husbands? Parents are rightly concerned, how do I love, nurture, and please my kids? But when you're single, you have one question, how do I please the Lord? There is undivided loyalties in the area of singleness. Yeah, you've got your job. Yeah, you've got relationship. But his point is, you have fewer distractions to deal with. And so that's what he says. He says, here's why it's easier. In marriage, our focus is divided. The unmarried can focus on the Lord. The married can focus on the Lord, but they're also focused on their family. Now you say, well, Doug, that's harsh to say. Well, think about it. If you're married in the room today and your spouse only focused on the things of the Lord, would you feel neglected? Come on, would you feel neglected? And is that right of them to only focus on the things of the Lord and to totally neglect you? No. Because then you couldn't love your wife as Christ loved the church, right? I mean, so when we do that, we know going into marriage that I'm going to be voted, devoted to my wife and my devotion, even though it's more, is going to be to the Lord. And, but even with that, even though it's right and it's godly, our loyalties are still divided. But in singleness, they're not. So I want you to know, third thing he says here is that it's easier, singleness is easier to avoid distractions. Here's one more thing I want you to notice. It's found in verse 36. If anyone thinks... He's behaving properly toward his betrothed. If his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. So all of you who are married in the room can say hallelujah, right? It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and is determined in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Notice Christians, yet in my judgment, she's happier if she remains as she is, which is single, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Here's what Paul says. You ready? I'm going to simplify it. If you're single, fourth of all, marriage is an option. See, the message today is not to, do, to distract you. I mean, some of you in single could be like, okay, Doug just talked me into living a life of singleness right now. That's not the goal. But the reason I have presented the way, or the reason I've pointed out the way that Paul's presented it is because I think too often we feel like if you're married, that's where completeness comes. That's where wholeness comes. Listen, I love my wife. We've been married almost 28 years. But at the end of the day, my wholeness, my completeness, and my value does not come from her. It comes from what Jesus has done for me and what Jesus says about me. That's where I find my completeness. That's where I find my value. That's where I find my purpose. And if you're single today, you need to know that marriage doesn't fix all that stuff. In fact, there is a beautiful thing about being single. There is a blessing. It's a blessing from God. There's burdens that you don't have to carry. Yes, you'll face pressure. Yes, you'll have, you know, persecution. But it won't be like it was if you're married. It'll be different. And at the end of the day, There'll be fewer distractions, but if you feel like you're at that place where, hey, I desire to be married, listen, marriage is an option. There's a lot of single people in the room today, a lot. And many of you go, Doug, I, I have a desire to be married. I have a desire to, to maybe have a family or to, you know, to adopt or whatever the case may be. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I want to say, say to you if you're going to be married and you're single right now. Marriage is a spiritual decision, and it's for life. Did you pick up on what he said here at the very end? A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies. That's why in marriage, when we do the vows, we say, till death what? Do his part, right? It's for life. And if you 
or your husband has died and you do want to remarry, hey, the only caveat here is you need to make sure you marry a believer, someone in the Lord, right? So I just want you to know, if you're single today and you have a desire to be married, there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. But it's a spiritual decision you have to make. And you have to make it in the way that you realize that it's a spiritual decision, but I know the decision I'm, um, that I'm making is for life. So this morning as we close, I just want to remind us of this, that when you think about the beauty of singleness, I want you to think this way. It is a blessing from God just like marriage is. The beauty of singleness is they carry fewer burdens because it's just them going through the persecution. It's them going through the pressure, not having to consider a whole family with them. The beauty of singleness is that you have fewer distractions, that you can have single devotion to the Lord. And even though devotion to your spouse isn't bad, it's still divided. And if you're single today, marriage is an option if you want to go that route. But it's a spiritual decision. It's for life, and it needs to be with a believer who shares your values and your faith. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. If you're single today, and you feel like, hey, I don't know if I want to be married or not. Here's what I would say to you if you're single. Would you make this commitment this morning? Would you make the commitment to say no matter what comes down the path for you, whether God brings a, man, a husband or a wife your way or you stay single, would you make this commitment this morning that no matter what comes down the way for me, I'm going to have a complete devotion to the Lord right now. In this season, I'm going to be undivided in my loyalties and devotion to the Lord. Would you make that commitment? And if you are that single person and you maybe are close to getting married or you really have that desire and you're dating someone, listen, would you say that even right now as I'm courting someone, that's an old word we should bring back, well, someone's courting me and we're courting and we're dating and we're about to get married, would you claim right now that you make sure that your devotion first and foremost is to the Lord? Would you make that commitment? And if you're here and you're married this morning, you don't get off the hook. When we look at this and we look at this idea of distractions, can you look at your life and go, hmm, have I been distracted? Have I forgotten the mission that God has given me? Yeah, I'm not saying you haven't been taking care of your wife or your husband. What I'm saying is, yeah, those loyalties need to be there, but where's your loyalty at with Christ? Are you being devoted, as devoted as you ought to be to sharing the good news of Jesus? And maybe today, as a married person, you would sit here and say this, Doug, I'm 100% distracted. And it's not just my family, it's everything else. And you need to hone in your distraction and you have linear focus saying, Lord, I want to live and be the light for you everywhere I go. And I'm going to commit to that today. So if you're married, would you make that commitment? So wherever the Lord has you this morning, would you be faithful to respond? I pray that as you leave today, that some of you go home and read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Go, you know what? Singleness is not a curse. It's a blessing. Singleness is a path that many will choose to go down, and there's nothing wrong with those people. They're not damaged goods. They're not something, you know, that, that we look at them and go, wow, man, no wonder nobody. No, 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 no. It's a path they're headed down, but it's a path that God can bless and honor and use in a great way for his kingdom. So we need to encourage those people. Would you as a church join me in saying amen to that we're going to encourage those that are single around us? Would you say amen to that? I hope we do. Let's all stand together as we pray. Let's stand. God, I love you, and I thank you for today. I know in the middle of a marriage series, it seems odd to pause and to talk about singles, but God, I know that it's such an important issue to talk about. Maybe, quite frankly, something we never talk about in church. But God, we look at the Apostle Paul, who in chapter 7 of Corinthians reminds us of the beauty of singleness. 
He's not disparaging marriage. He's not, he's not making people want to talk people out of getting married. He's just simply saying that if you choose the life of singleness, or if you're single, it is a blessing from God, just as much as marriage is a blessing. And if you choose that lifestyle, yes, you're going to face persecution. Yes, you're going to face pressures. But the overall burdens you carry are going to be fewer because you don't have a family around you that you're married to and the kids that you're parents to that you've got to, you've got to carry it with them too. It's a life where, yes, you'll face distractions, but they're fewer than if you were married. But ultimately, Lord, he, I love the way Paul ends the passage by reminding them that marriage is still an option. There are many people, like I did, when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, I longed to be married. I couldn't wait to that moment that you would bring the right person in my life that I could say I do and spend the rest of my life with them. God, I celebrate that. And I'm excited about, I was excited about that and still am. I'm excited for all our married couples. But I pray that you would change the way that we think this morning, Lord. That maybe someone who's single or going down the path of singleness, may we see them through the lens of what Paul taught us this morning. Rather than the lens of what the world says, that something's wrong with them or they've, or they're failed or they don't have the value. No, 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 that's a lie. So God, I pray for married couples that we could be the mouthpiece of encouragement to all the singles that we know. That we would take a look at our own lives and ask, have we gotten distracted from, from the mission that you've given us? But God, I pray specifically this morning for all our singles. Those that might choose that life, those that are single now but will be married one day, I pray that you remind them that it is a blessing from you that you've got a plan for them, a purpose for them, and you want to use them in a powerful way right now, even before they take those vows or whether they ever take those vows. So God, I pray for singles this morning, that they would get a sense of purpose in their life this morning. They would feel valuable, beautiful, handsome, amazing, and blessed by you. So God, I just pray that you would work on our hearts today, that you would move this morning. Lord, in your precious, in your holy son's name we pray. Amen. Now this morning, I just want to ask you to do one more thing. Wherever you find yourself, whatever you struggle with, would you just simply say, Lord, you know the condition of my heart, but I surrender to you today. If I'm struggling in my marriage with the distractions, I surrender that to you today. If I'm single and I'm struggling with value and purpose, because everybody around me is getting married, especially if you're in your 20s and everybody's getting married around you, not you. I mean, there's a struggle there. When you say, Lord, I just, I want to surrender that part of my heart to you today. And God, would you do a work on me? My prayer this morning for all of us is that we would lay this thing down and just ask the Lord to speak to our hearts, challenge our hearts, but most importantly, change our hearts this morning. If you need to come pray, feel free to do that. If you need prayer, Jason and Kelly will be right over there on the side, and Pat and Willie will be right over here. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe it has nothing to do with marriage, nothing to do with singleness. You just had a terrible week this week, and you need somebody to go with you to approach the throne of grace. Please just ask them to pray with you. They would love to do that. But however the Lord's leading you this morning, would you be faithful to respond to that as we sing to our King?